Welcome to Dietitian Boss. I'm Libby Rothschild, your host and fellow registered dietitian nutritionist. I serve as a business coach to my colleagues, registered dietitian nutritionists all around the world. I help you get leads and turn prospective clients into paying customers using online marketing and social media strategies that work. Thank you so much for joining today's episode. Hello and welcome. I'm so excited to have guest Erin Judge here on the episode today. She's a registered dietitian nutritionist and specialist in IBS. She was diagnosed with IBS as a child and she accepted her symptoms as normal. And what she's done is taken her, her condition and turned it into her professional career as a registered dietitian who's niched down and done many wonderful things. So thank you so much for being on air today. Will you let us know where you're from and fill in any gaps I was missing? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am based out of Nashville, Tennessee, but my practice is completely virtual, so I feel like I'm everywhere, <laughs> which is good and bad. Um, yeah, that's all. Excellent. About me. Excellent. And then, great. Tell us a little bit more about IBS and how you, you know, walk us through the process of how you kind of really owned this niche. Yeah. So I've had IBS since I was a kid. It's irritable bowel syndrome. I've always dealt with digestive issues. And whenever I was going through my nutrition career, my first plan was never to get into private practice. It wasn't really to pursue gut health. But as I learned more and more and was able to apply that information to my own life and improve my digestive symptoms, I really gained an interest in gut health and digestive disorders. So I knew that in the future, you know, someday I really wanted to specialize in this area, whether it would be research or whatever opportunities I could find. Um, but I, re I never actually imagined niching down and being an IBS specialist until working with you. So I did work with Libby um, about nine months ago, maybe sometime last year um, in the fall. And uh, through a conversation that we had, we began that process of turning that dream that I never actually realized was a dream um, into my private practice. Um, it's been really successful. That's amazing. I can't believe it's been nine months. When you said that, I was like, really? Wow, time <laughs> flies. I'm getting old. Uh, tell us a little bit more about some of your struggles. You know, many of you listening are, you, you struggle with the idea of niching down and what that means. And I love that you had said, Aaron, that this is something, you know, it's, it's a dream and it has aligned for you. Uh, can you walk us through a little bit about, I guess, the difficult or emotional aspects of coming through that? That it's not an easy process. Yes, definitely. So I feel like I reacted in a very extreme way. Um, I started coaching with Libby with the idea of making more money. And I thought I would be taking my practice from where it was, where I was focused on really anything, um, kind of intuitive eating, but not really just taking anyone that wanted to hire me. Um, and I thought that's where I was going. And so in our first phone call, I remember we started having that conversation of who do you want to serve? Who do you connect with the most? And IBS came out of that. So within, you know, an hour, I went from thinking this is the direction I was going to completely shifting that into such a narrow um, area, which is IBS and the low FODMAP diet. So I was all about it because it sounded amazing. I really connected with it. But I remember that day um, having that emotional like roller coaster of, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Is this really me? Um, authenticity is something I really, really value. Um, which is great, but in that process, I was just really concerned that am I actually following what is authentic? Am I experienced enough for this? Am I ready for this? Um, and am I gonna, going to get laughed at <laughs> if I try to sell these services? Um, so I remember 
uh, in the middle of the night, I think, that first day, like crying because I was just so overwhelmed by all of it and emailing Libby <laughs> in like, the middle of the night, all of my like worries and my frustrations. And I was just so scared. Um, and, you know, it was literally like jumping into the deep end of a pool, learning to swim for the first time. And so it was very scary, but it was very hard to differentiate. Is this a fear that is healthy and good? Or is this a fear that is telling me that this is a bad thing? And so with, you know, multiple conversations and as we worked out the details and as I began to kind of settle into the, the niche, I, I began to fall in love with it even more and it became natural and it, it, it really settled with me. Um, so all of the peace and everything came in time, but it was definitely difficult um, and it was something I had to keep pressing through and I could have easily just said, no, absolutely not. I'm giving up and walking away. Um, but I had that courage, I guess, to, to keep going forward, um, which was hard, but paid off in the long run. Yeah. And, and I love that reflection. And I, I hear you on all levels about the emotional roller coaster. And a lot of you listening have told me uh, you, you message me and tell me all the time, both clients that work with me and, and just listeners will tell me I'm really scared of limiting myself with the whole niche, which is the irony, because when you niche down and you focus your message, it helps you market yourself better. But understandably, a lot of folks are concerned. And I even at one point felt that way, too. I started marketing to wellness professionals. Uh, maybe it was a year ago or so because I thought that dietitians was too narrow of a niche because there's only 100,000 of us here in America. And I, I switched back out from that, even though I do attract some people in wellness and health. Uh, but I really liked focusing on dietitians, and, and I myself have struggled with that. I mean, the question, not just niching down, but how narrow is your niche and really understanding. So I can relate with what you're saying, and I know you listening can too. Um, is there any particular thing in your process or experience that you can identify that you struggled with the most? For example, was it calling your, was it switching your tagline? Was it changing your marketing on Instagram? Was it aligning your website? Because the whole entire process of focusing your message is not as simple as just waking up and deciding. It's really taking this consistent action. Yeah, I would say that the absolute hardest was the first Instagram post that I made with the new niche and part of it was learning that you know learning the new Instagram strategy but the hardest part was marketing something that I've never talked about before and trying to convey confidence um, when I was still kind of in a roller coaster myself and um, so being such a, a, a person that does value authenticity so much it was terrifying and I was so scared that I would be mocked or you know it would it would fail or people would call me a liar, you know, all of those different things, um, which never happened. Um, but I think after that first post, seeing the results that came out of that and realizing that, oh, people actually want to see this. And it was not a great post, um, but people just, they wanted it. And, um, and the more, more posts that I did, and eventually I did change my handle, I think like a, a month in or something, maybe a couple of weeks, and people gravitated toward the Instagram platform. Um, and then I slowly switched website and all of those things after, but that was definitely the hardest. Everything else got a little easier because I began to, I gained confidence, you know, once I saw that it worked and once I started meeting all of these people that actually cared and, and needed it. That's amazing. And walk us through, I mean, some of the numbers too. I know you, well, at least some that you feel comfortable with. I know you grew your following, which is a, a tremendous accomplishment and you've been able to grow your practice. Are there any other reflections you have about really owning your message? Because there's one thing to like 
fall into the niche and then there's another thing to do what you've done which is completely owned it and that's just so mm-hmm. scary for a lot of you listening and it's so important and it's just so hard for so many of us to wrap our head around yeah uh, I'm not a numbers person so I'm never going to be specific on numbers too much um, but I remember I was around like 400 followers on Instagram and that was my biggest I guess reflection or the biggest growth um, indicator that I found um, but I was around 400 followers before working with you, before niching down, and really had no engagement. Like, no one really liked the photos. Like, no one was sharing them. People weren't commenting. No one was having a conversation with me. And within our, I know we worked together three months. I think I was already up to 10,000 maybe at that point. Incredible. Now I'm at 13,000. Um, it's slowed a little, but it's still growing consistently. And not just that I'm at, you know, 13,000, but people are commenting, people share the photo, they save the photos. And so I feel like my work is being valuable and I'm getting messages every single day from people who will have questions and um, are interested in working with me or just, you know, excited about me sharing certain information. So I've developed more of a community than I would have ever imagined. And that's in less than a year, which is pretty insane. Um, And then in my business itself, I remember we worked together I was getting like one client a month, maybe, and most of it was from word of mouth. So not only did I niche down, but I also decided to do virtual practice. So I was opening myself up to almost all 50 states. um, And that was scary because I was figuring all of that out. And so I went from having like one client a month to immediately having like three new clients within a month of us working together. Um, And that was crazy. And since then, I've consistently had at least three or four to five clients every single month and um, so my revenue obviously has increased I think it's probably tripled or more um, since since I was I started and I was working a few part-time jobs and I was able to let almost all of them except the one that I actually wanted to keep go um, which that has it's a huge indicator for me just having more freedom in my own life and not being you know tied to all these different jobs and yeah that's incredible. Congratulations on, on your success. And uh, what I love about Erin is she implements frameworks and, you know, Erin takes opportunities and she makes the most of them and you work really hard and you love aligning, like you said, you know, how you feel and your authenticity with what you do. And that's why people connect with you. So I, I just love seeing your success and hearing about how you've been able to gain confidence and expand your virtual practice. So what are some of the goals that you have with your practice? Are you looking to grow that? Or if you want to talk a little bit about some of the um, digital products that you've come out with, I know Mm -hmm. the listeners just want to know what is in store for them as well. It's so inspiring to hear from other dietitians grow. As they move through it. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I was really inspired by looking at what other people were doing. And there is, I guess, that moment of comparison where you feel like you're kind of copying what everyone is doing. And so I'm finally in a stage now where I feel like I'm kind of taking a step back to determine what do I want that might look different from everyone else? And where do I see myself growing versus where, you know, so-and-so is growing, um, which was hard, but it's part of the process. Um, But I recently launched my first course. I launched a course on the low FODMAP diet. Um, Learned a lot through that process. Probably didn't do it the greatest way, but, you know, I did it. It's out there and it's a product that can always edit and make better and, you know, keep for the long term, which is one of the best feelings ever. Um, It continually makes me money, which is nice. Um, I've started a membership program kind of on the down low just for current and past clients and people in my program uh, or in my course to to grow the community and then eventually be able to sell that too with 
that value added. Um, and then in the future, I would love to develop some more courses. So staying in my niche, I also want to expand in the whole area of digestive health, um, but more so in my own practice. So not necessarily through social media, I'm definitely gonna keep that community in IBS, um, but I wanna grow in my own practice to be able to accept people who have IBD and, and work with even more specialized disorders. Um, even seeing people in person, I would love to develop a clinic here in Nashville to see one-on-one -on -one clients once or twice a week, um, and then hire a dietitian or two or three or however many um, to work in the virtual practice. So having dietitians all over the country who can work in those different areas, um, whether it's celiac disease or IBS, um, to just be kind of a, a, a varied practice that is still very specialized, if that makes sense. Um, That's so amazing. what that does look like. <laughs> That's am And I love that you have those, what some could call lofty goals. I mean, what you want to do is build a team, right? You want to have... Yeah. You want to expand your message and you also, it sounds like you like that face-to-face -face experience in Nashville where you're living and then have people under you who can, you know, extend your reach and your message of what your bottom line is, which is to help empower like women or those who have IBS. Uh, so that's wonderful. I encourage all of you listening to have lofty goals as well about team building um, and look how fast Erin's been able to to really grow her, not only social media presence, but her, her virtual practice and it's really uh, incredible. Uh, so what actions are you taking now, if any, to align with that idea or vision as far as team building, whether it be global or locally? Yeah. Um, well, I did just elevate my program a little bit. I, so I am a risk taker and I will take action, but I'm very stubborn as well. So it does take me time sometimes to change what I'm doing. Um, so few months later, I finally extended my program a little more and like raised the price just a little bit. Um, and so that's a step forward in elevating my one-on-one -on -one approach. Um, I'm doing a mentorship in my field um, so that I can actually grow in my knowledge because I found that you know if I want to offer better value and I want people to pay me more, um, learning is a, a big step in that. So I'm spending money and time investing in my own knowledge um, so that I can grow. And then I am in the process of hiring an assistant, finally, which is <laughs> a long time coming. I put that off way too long, um, but I found that a lot of my time has been spent uh, doing a lot of background information. And I noticed that, you know, I wasn't offering my clients as much value as I could um, if I wasn't doing all of the unnecessary things. Um, so I'm trying to hire somebody, um, but I'm picky. So I'm taking my time until I find the right person. And yeah, that sounds incredible. My, my next step. <laughs> incredible. And when you say assistant, do you mean in person or virtual? Virtual. Um, I, I, since I do value in-person connection and I value authenticity from another person too, I would love to have someone I could meet in person first. Um, but I've accepted applications from many different people and have been looking through different uh, Facebook groups and I'm really searching the areas where those people are hiding um, to find who may be the very best for me. And then, yeah, just kind of taking in that process and learning as I go so that I don't make any decisions too quickly, but I also um, am preparing myself to hire in the future um, and develop that process. That's incredible. I love that you want to build a team and that you're taking the steps now in order to set that up with the delegation, mm -hmm. which is 
hiring someone. And even if it's, you know, I don't know if it's a contractual hourly rate or however you decide you want to hire someone, the sooner, I mean, my opinion is the sooner you can do that, the more present you can be for your clients. And it's incredible that you're in a position to do that and then share that with, with us, uh, those who are listening, so that they can see that they're not that far away from that too, from hiring someone. Yeah, I think in my mind, I thought, oh, if I hire an assistant, I'm committed to paying, you know, a salary. I'm committed to paying them for so many hours a month that I don't need yet. And I finally, it hit me, which is so silly how simple things hit you way later in your thought process. But I realized that I could hire somebody for five hours a month or five hours a week. Sorry. Absolutely. I could hire someone just for a few hours. Like I don't have to hire someone on a salary. There are people who just like I work, you know, in many different ways, there are people who work in many different ways. And um, that was really freeing to me of realizing that, oh, you know, a few hundred dollars like that, I can definitely afford right now. Um, I don't have to commit to the thousands of dollars a month for somebody. Um, I can start small and grow. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, like one one small step at a time, like Aaron said, you know, one Instagram post at a time. And then next time, you know, we, we connect, you'll have already you'll already have had hired and assembled your team. Right. So it starts with. Uh, you know, hiring is a really complex topic, but absolutely having someone do contract work for you or however many hours per week is a great way to start. I mean, I first started by just hiring someone to upload podcast episodes for me. And it, I just, yeah, I mean, it was so super simple, very affordable, one episode at a time. And I grew from there. Um, but it helped me like free from little like tech stuff, which I don't love, like the, all the like back end tech work. And so the more I was able to see the value of that, I was able to grow. And, you know, delegation doesn't have to be expensive, but it does have to be, you have to take that first step. So I love Aaron's example. All right. Anything else that you want to leave us with or that you wish your fellow dietitians knew about building their online brand, whether they're in your niche or outside your niche? Yeah. So I would say get help or have, you know, a team or someone that you can talk to through the process because it is so scary and even if you are a risk taker and a lot of dietitians we kind of are in a way and we're calculated risk takers but it it really helps and there's so much that I thought I knew that I didn't know and I put off getting coaching for so long because I thought I couldn't afford it or it wouldn't pay off and it paid off tremendously and um, even with my website I put off that for such a long time and having someone even just look at it um really elevated the way that it worked and asked, I asked questions. I, you know, dug into other Instagram profiles and other, you know, podcasts. And I I found help in every avenue, I guess, that I could have. Um, But I should have done that two years ago when I first started and I didn't. And so looking at the difference of where I am now versus where I was then, it's just so, so different. Um, So get help early on um, so that you can start having this conversation and not waste your time. Um, even if you don't start yet, uh, because you don't have to. And that's a really freeing and powerful thing too, to know that you don't have to start a practice right away. You can still learn where you want to go with your practice. And then by the time that you start one, you're probably going to be in a better place. than even I was switching my niche in the middle of having a practice because you do have more time on that front end when you're not seeing clients. Uh, those are really, really great reflections. Excellent, Erin. And if you could just let us all know, remind us where we can find you on Instagram. Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm at ibs.nutrition. So really simple. And I'd love for you to join me. It's a really fun community. And there's so many good tips, even past just low FODMAP diet. So if you just you know want to learn about digestion, it's a good place to be. Excellent. Thank you so much, Erin, for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the episode today.
Thank you so much. Thank you for joining today's episode. If you'd love to learn more about how to get leads online and turn prospective customers into clients, apply for my coaching. I still have a wait list. Go ahead and visit LibbyRothschild.com. That's www.LibbyRothschild.com. Go under signature service and apply for my wait list.